You're listening to Reality San Francisco's weekly podcast. For more audio content or information, please visit us at realitysf.com. Okay, please open your Bibles to Philippians uh, chapter 2. Um, one of the things that we've said here since the very beginning, since we first started gathering here in San Francisco as a church, is that we are a theological community. And as we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, Pastor Dave taught on how we're a theological community, meaning that our identity and our activity is based on who God is. That's something that we've been nailing every single week, that our identity as the people of God and our activity as a church are based on who God is. That's what theological means. And it's who we are. We're a theological community. Now, because of that, we're missional. We're a a missional community because God is a missionary God. And that makes Jesus uh, basically the very first missionary ever. Just as God the Father sent Jesus from Heaven's throne, he came down from heaven to earth to reconcile and redeem sinful mankind and bring, him, bring, bring mankind to himself and redeem them. We are also to be a sent people, to be looking outwards, outwards from ourselves, to be outward, looking out from even the four walls of this building or anywhere that we gather um, uh, uh, to serve, really, in this city. However, none of that, None of that matters without relationship. We have to be in relationship with one another. Because, let's face it, I mean, the only thing that has held this together and what you see here and three going to four services is relationship. Relationship to and around Christ and then relationship to one another. And, I mean, you guys have probably, you know, heard it before. It's the relationship this way before I can go out and and get it this way. And none of this would be here without, um, without one another because we need one another. Do you see how important this, that this is, relationship? In Mark chapter 3, Jesus first calls the disciples to himself, to spend time with them, to equip them, to love them, and then to send them out to preach the gospel. And so that's why this is so important. Everything, I mean, we owe it all to him. And, and, and I know in, in my life, I mean, first coming here to San Francisco, I was practically, a, well, I was a single man, even though that I was engaged. I came here to the city um, working crazy hours with this startup in Walnut Creek. And, um, and it, was, it was really difficult. It was difficult because I didn't know anybody. Uh, we had a small, um, a few select some of you are even here um, in the crowd. There was 20 or 30 of us that would like all get together and eat. I mean, there was no way that we could have made it without you guys. And so here we are. Here we are. And, and, and now looking at the fruit after that, I mean, now it's like I'm married. I've got a beautiful bride and beautiful child and an incredible, amazing church. And it's so good to see that fruit um, happen. And so this week, what we're going to look at today is what it means to be a relational community. And this is such a huge component. This is such a huge component of who we are. We must be relational. And, and it's even more important, especially as we grow into a large church. 
To be a church where you can come and, and not be anonymous. Not be anonymous, just like Jesse said. And, and, and I know that it's, I mean, it's difficult in a church of this size uh, to do, but we want that to change. That's why we structure everything that we do. Everything that we do, we structure it to be centered around and towards Jesus so that we can be theological. We want, we want to be sent out like Jesus and, and, and look outwards to be missional in our community. And then we want to love others. We want to love others like Jesus loved us relationally. And, and so from the beginning, this is who we've been. It's who we are. We're a theological community. We're a, a, a missional community. And we're a relational community. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, this to you. And then I'm going to ask Dave Daly to come up and explain um, what this relational community is. So Philippians chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, I'll read through verse 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and any sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God, we thank you that you created us to be known and that you desire to be in relationship with us and that you recklessly abandon everything to come and seek us out, that you make yourself known and reveal to your, yourself to us in and through your creation and in and through each other. And Lord, I pray that, that, that you would reveal yourself and make yourself more, more known here today, that we would that we would decrease, God, and that you would increase. So Holy Spirit, please come. Help us, Lord. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and to the glory of God the Father, um, Lord, we want to worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Dave Daly. This is kind of fun. We're doing like Lucha Libre style, you know, like tag team through. We've never done this before. Uh, so, yeah, kind of fun. When I read that passage in Philippians 2, um, man, it's so juicy, isn't it? It's just, it's got so much goodness in it. And uh, it just brought me back to, as I was just reading it and meditating on it and thinking about it this week, um, how much relationship matters to God. How important relationship is 
to God and what an example he sets in Christ for us. And that's, that's what we want to talk about uh, today. And it's a radical idea if we really stop and think about the fact that not only does God lay out in Scripture instruction for what, how our relationships should look and, and how we're supposed to act in our relationships, but he actually sends Christ as an example for us. This, this is radical. There's no other religion on earth that has this model. Every other religion in the world uh, instructs us to ascend up to heaven by, by faith or works or meditation or some other vehicle that we have to ascend to a heavenly place. And, and Christianity is the only religion that, that says that God actually descended down to us, got into our mess and, and our junk out of his love for us and desire for relationship. It's It's radical. Amen. Somebody said amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And what we take away from this is just how important relationships are to God, that he's serious about having a relationship with us and us having a right relationship with him, and he's serious about us having right relationships with each other and operating in those the right way. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about what it means to be a theological church and a missional church. And Tarek touched on this here in the opening that um, we're not called to only be a theological community. If that were the case, then God would have left Adam alone in the garden. Think about this, that that Adam was living in in a perfect situation. There was uh, just him and God and the animals. There was no sin, no pollution, there were no boy bands or bad coffee or any of this. Okay, I have three daughters. I live through every boy band that comes every two years. It's a new one. And I swear they're singing the same song. It's horrible. This is what happens when sin enters the world. And Tarek, you will experience this. I'm telling you. But if God intended uh, just to have us to be a theological community just centered on him, then he never would have created Eve. But it says in, Gen- in Genesis, the very beginning, that God said, let us create him in our image and a plurality. It's not good for him to be alone. It's not good for him to be alone. That's the first time in the Bible, in Genesis, that he says, not good. It, it, he's... The heavens, good. Ocean, good. Mountains, trees, good. Beasts, birds, good. Man alone, not good. And so he creates Eve. He he intends that we be in relationship, not just with him, but also with each other. It's the image of who God is as a plurality. Uh, And then we talked about being a missional community, a missional church. But listen, if you take relationship out of mission... You are just that guy standing on the street corner with like the sign that says the end is nigh, repent or die. Uh, That's great for making awareness. It's lousy for making disciples. Okay, it's got no relationship to it. Okay, we can't be missional without relationship. Think about uh, Ruthie and BJM and what they do as a ministry where, where they invite uh, women from the street into their center and they paint their nails. Now, and if that was it, I mean, that's a nice thing to do. That's a good activity. But while they're painting their nails, they're, they're hearing their story. And they're telling them about Christ. And they're finding out what their needs are. They are building relationship. That, that is mission. 
That's what it means to be missional as a church. We take the activity and we infuse relationship. The same heart that we have with the Father. We can't be a Christ-centered, on Christ-centered mission unless we are doing it because it's, a, it's an outflow of our heart for God and the relationship we have with him. So what we're saying here, and, and, and look at this, this is, a, this is a juicy nugget right here. Relationships are not sacrificed on the altar of mission or theology. Relationships are the context of mission and the fruit of theology. You hear that? Relationships are the context of mission and the fruit of theology. But we have to say when we start talking about relationships that relationships are messy. Relationships are broken. Just that word relationship in the broadest sense of the term, it can bring to mind and to your heart the greatest joy of your life. And it can bring about just the greatest pain you've ever experienced, both in relationship. When I think about, as an example, I think about my wedding day, uh, greatest 24 hours of my life, bar none. I mean, it was the best day I ever had on this earth. It was fantastic. I was marrying my beautiful bride, my best friend. Uh, Our family and our friends were gathered, and and we were eating and, and partying and dancing, and it was just the best day ever but if I stop and I think about each one of those faces family members and and friends and even my wife each of those has a story that can be painful places I was disappointed words that were said that were hurtful uh, in that day was both the greatest part of relationship and, and also it carried in a lot of baggage of pain with it And that is the reality of relationships. So so what does that mean? If we know that relationships are broken, yet we're called to be relational, how do we go about that? And the incredible thing, as always, is that God gives us just this beautiful picture of what what relationship is supposed to be, uh, of relational perfection in the Trinity, it says in, in Genesis 1.26 uh, that God, from the beginning, was a plurality. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And in this Godhead of Father, Son, uh, Holy Spirit, we see that relationship is operating in absolute perfection. C.S. Lewis uh, gives us this example He said, uh, God is not a static thing, not even a person, but a dynamic, pulsating activity, a life, almost a kind of drama, almost, if you will not think me irreverent, a kind of dance. Why a dance? God, God is not a static, still thing, but he is in relationship. He is in movement with uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's alive and pouring in to one another and glorifying one another. And, and, and we think about our relationships, all right, and how static we become. And let's play out this analogy of a dance, okay? My, my wife loves to dance, 
like loves to dance. And I know when we are going to a wedding, when we're driving, I know that the moment is going to come. <clears throat> and here's how it plays out, that, that the, the bride and, and the, uh, the groom, they're on the dance floor, and the, the last dance is finishing, their, or their first dance is, is finishing up. And I look, and I see my wife is, you know, stretching, and she's like... <laughs> And it's, it's coming. It's go time. And I hate this part <laughs> of the wedding. And, and, and so, uh, so imagine now in this, this example, okay, this is my wife who I love. And I, I do things like this because I love her, not because I like it. And um, imagine now that if I walk out to the dance floor and I just I stand right in the middle of the dance floor. And she just dances around me, you know, and it's all like about me. Stupid, right? So awkward. Who would do that? <clears throat> Hopefully not you. That, that would be horrible. Because that, that's not the way a dance is supposed to work, right? When you see the people who really know how to dance, who, who, who are, do it for a living, and, and it's just a beautiful thing. It's like they're one person. They're just an extension of each other, the way they move and operate. And that's, that's the picture that Lewis is giving us. It's meant to be a beautiful thing. In his book, uh, Ministry in the Image of God, uh, Stephen Siemens, he, he talks about the characteristics that actually make up the Trinity, four of them. And, and I want to talk about them real quick and then c- compare them to our relationships. The first is full equality. There's full equality in the Trinity. There's glad submission. Glad submission. Joyful Intimacy. And mutual deference. Full equality. In John 1.1, it says that the word was with God and the word was God. That there was an even playing field. That, that there's not a hierarchy system in the Trinity. That they are all on equal ground and all consider each other equal. There's glad submission. John 1.14 says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That means that Christ descended out of his perfect relationship in the Trinity in the heavens, and he came down to earth, submitting to the will of the Father. He became flesh and dwelt among us. There's joyful intimacy. In John 1.18, it says that, uh, that Christ was he's near the Father's heart. That there's this love relationship. And there's mutual difference. Mutual difference. That he, Christ, seeks to make him, the Father, known. He defers to the Father. He glorifies the Father throughout Scripture. Now think about our relationships. Take those, those four perfect characteristics in the Trinity and let's apply them to, to our relationships. Full equality. I don't know about you, but I don't spend a lot of time trying to uh, make it an even playing field in my life. I spend much more time trying to advance myself, uh, seeking my desires, being self-focused and self-centered. I don't spend quite as much time making an even playing field in my relationships. Glad submission, please, please. Submission is like a curse word in our culture. So it, it inflicts these ideas of being dominated, that you're submitting to an authority. And, and if you did have to submit in any way, glad would not be the adjective attached to it. Glad submission. How about joyful intimacy? 
this one can be painful because intimacy equates to vulnerability, right? And, and let's be honest, there's just places we are not willing to go in our relationships to be vulnerable. There are doors we are not willing to open in our heart, wounds that we are not willing to talk about with people. Joyful intimacy means total vulnerability. How about mutual deference? The only thing I really defer about is like Friday night when I really don't care where we eat. I will defer to whatever my wife decides. Where do you want to go? I don't care. I defer to you. Outside of that, there's not a lot of deference. There's not a lot of uh, exalting someone else's idea above my own. So to put it mildly, our relationships are absolutely self-centered. And we rarely defer. We rarely uh, submit. We rarely uh, make an equal playing field in our relationships. In his, uh, his book, Community, Brad House talks about this, uh, this brokenness of relationships and that w- what sin and selfishness does and destroys that perfect picture of relationships. He says, uh, you see, the problem is deeper than the need to belong. On the cross, the community of the Trinity was momentarily broken. It was a picture of what sin does to communities. Listen to this. This is great. Sin always separates what God joins together. Sin always separates what God joins together in friendship, in marriage, in your relationship with the Lord. Sin always separates what God joins together. This truth is seen in Adam and Eve's response to the fall. The first thing Adam and Eve did in response to their rebellion was to hide from God. God intended for Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, thereby building communities that would glorify him. Instead, because of indwelling sin, each community was more rebellious than the last, manifesting in relational evil against one another. That moment on the cross was a reflection of our sins of independence, selfishness, rivalry, jealousy, oppression, blame-shifting, gossip, backbiting, neglect, isolation, pride, apathy, and every other perversion of grace that destroys community. Here's what House is saying. In the beginning, there was this perfect community in the Trinity. No sin or selfishness to tarnish the glory and intimacy that they found between the Father, Son, and Spirit. But because of our sin, our selfishness, God had to make a decision. Either be separated from us for eternity or be separated from his son for a moment. And here is where the good news is the most radical message in all of the world since the beginning of time. This is why, because it says that God chose us. In that moment of being separated from us, no relationship, there could not be that intimacy between us and God. In that moment of choosing that or, or choosing, breaking the Trinity, separating from the Son, he chose us. It's radical. 
It's an amazing love. It's an amazing radical relationship where the father will sacrifice the blameless, spotless son to bring us back and restore the lost child to himself. And even then, the son says, yes, I will go out of my love for you, father. So it's radical. And in this, we see uh, just a a, a very real and hard truth, and that is uh, to experience real love in our relationships. Real love will always cost us sacrificing some freedoms, sacrificing of ourselves. That's the example of Christ. Think about Tarek and Erica. You saw baby Isabel, beautiful baby Isabel. And and when they chose to have a child, they were willingly giving up some freedoms. Sleep, entertainment, money, when and where they go out to eat. Okay, A, a million little freedoms were sacrificed out of the love for baby Isabel. I experienced this myself. I love Sports Center. <laughs> and when I got married, uh, I, I would watch it. Uh, you know, it's an hour long program, just gives you everything that happened that day in the world of sports. And I loved it. And, and I would watch a whole hour, and then it would start again, and I'd, I'd want to watch it again. And my, my wife would say, how can, you, how can you sit here and watch another Sports Center? It's the same thing you just watched the last hour. And I had to explain to her that the sports world is an ever changing landscape of information. <laughs> New injury updates and scores, and I mean, it's never the same twice. This was early on in my marriage, and I learned that uh, Sports Center had to die, <laughs> that I might have a full relationship with my wife. But as silly as that sounds, that, that's the truth in relationships. Thing, you, will, you, will be, you will have to die to some things. You will have to surrender. Relationships cost something. They're costly. It's the same in all love relationships. No matter the context, you'll be required to sacrifice yourself for those that you love. And this is the example of Christ. Who didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself obedient even to death. Even death on a cross. And this is where we experience relational reconciliation. Where we can get a picture of that relational perfection. God enables us to have right relational longing and exercise right relational responsibility through Christ. The more we discover and experience God, the more we are transformed into a relational reality of intense other-centeredness. Not self-centeredness, other Centeredness and that relational other centeredness is theological, it is the very nature and essence of God Himself. And this is what it means to be a relational church. And we model what we experience through Christ because of Christ's sacrifice, and only because of His grace, we can now manifest those characteristics we talked about in the Trinity through Christ, only through His grace, full equality. It doesn't have to be about us elevating ourselves. 
It doesn't have to be us being the alpha dog, being the pack leader at work and in our relationships and in community. We can now submit ourselves, be equal. Who, who are we? You can go to anyone and say, I am a sinner saved by grace, just like you, regardless of your circumstances. It's an equal playing field. Glad submission. Who am I, Lord? A sinner saved by grace. Not my will, but your will be done. No matter what the means, no matter what the cost, I will give up anything for your glory. Gladly, out of love, glad submission. Joyful intimacy. There's no place I will hide from the Lord. And because of his grace and what he's washed over me, I can now be vulnerable with you and walk through your broken places as well. You are not alone. I carry the same sin and baggage that you're carrying. There can be joyful intimacy, becoming vulnerable with each other in our relationships. Mutual deference. Just as Philippians said, says, I don't want uh, to look out for my own interests, but for the interests of others. Every blessing I have is that I might be a blessing to someone else. It's not mine anymore. I defer to you, Lord. What if we live like this, church? What if we live like this in the city of San Francisco? What if all of our relationships were marked by equality and submission, intimacy, and deference to God? How could the world deny the goodness of God if they saw this in us? Didn't Christ do this for us? He modeled in human form the original purpose of divine relationship. So what should this mean for us practically? We ask you, if you are a part of this church, to be in community that you're in a community group. If you've been here for a year and you've been coming on Sunday, it's time to get in a community group. If you're calling this church your home, you are not meant to live in this city alone. In fact, this city will swallow you up. There's too much good food, entertainment, uh, beautiful sights. Uh, there's too much to distract you in your life. And I'll tell you what, uh, I can testify to people that, that sit in my office that this city can be a lonely place. A lonely place. You need to be in community. I need to be in community. And yet we know that relationships are costly. When, when you agree to be a part of community, you're saying, I'm willing to sacrifice some things. Because this is family. Think about your family. I think about my family. We don't get to choose family. It can be ugly. It can be messy. But family doesn't desert. They don't desert each other. They don't abandon each other. And that's what family is. We can be vulnerable. We can submit to one another. We can defer to each other. It costs something. We're going to have to give up some freedoms. There may be no community group night that fits in your schedule. I'm going to challenge you to change your schedule. Because you're not meant to live in a city alone. You're meant to be in community. And as you get into community, you will have to live out that giving, that sacrifice, just as Christ did for us. John 3.16 said that uh, he gave his life. He gave his life that we might know him. 
give everything. Who are we to hold anything back? This also moves us out of being consumers of the church to a servanthood attitude. If this church has been about meeting your needs and fitting into your schedule and uh, giving you a, a feel good on Sunday, it's time to move out of that. That's a consumer mentality. We are called to be servants, servants to each other. And while relationships are costly, man, they are fruitful. They are so fruitful. They will give you the greatest joy of your life as you pour into each other. And you make yourself vulnerable. You can't experience healing in your life unless you open the doors of those vulnerable places, those wounds that need to be healed. You can't experience it if you close it off. You have to be vulnerable. And as you learn to submit, it's amazing how our, our perspective changes as we give and we submit to others that those things we were holding on to really, they weren't that important after all. They become idols in our life that fall quickly the way they should as we defer to others. And when you're in relationship, when we live as a relational church, we get to experience building something together. God is doing a work in this city, not just here at Reality, all over the place. And you get to partner and be a part of that. It's amazing. It'll it'll be the most amazing season of your life if you release yourself, let go of some things of this world, and let yourself be used by God. It'll be amazing. You get to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And we achieve something bigger together. God is so radically relational that he goes to every length imaginable so that we can be in right relationship with him and with other. And that is our challenge today. If we want to be theological, if we want to be missional, we have to first be a church that is marked by our relationships. That we're a church living out the love of Christ. Will you guys stand with me? I want to read Philippians 5, uh, chapter 2, 5 through 11 together. Because again, I was just so, uh, it was so impressed on my heart that God loves us radically. Uh, He gives us this instruction and he gives us Christ. So let's read this together. Can we get it up? Maybe. (laughs) Okay. Just me and you. Humility, it's a beautiful thing. Okay, tell you what, I'll read it. Close your eyes and receive it, and then we'll, uh, we'll pray together. This is Philippians 2, 5 through 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, 
and every tongue acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. God, we say that. We, we profess it, Lord, with our tongue. Jesus Christ is Lord. Glory, glory to you, Jesus. And we know that brings glory to the Father and the Spirit, God. And we thank you for this beautiful, perfect picture of divine relationship. God, now we confess to you, Lord, that we are broken. Our relationships are broken. We are utterly sinful and lost, God, and yet you chose us. You chose us. And you sent Christ to the cross on our behalf. God, let that, let, let that change our heart. God, let that transform our mind that we are bought with a price. Lord, and that is not just for our selfish gain. Lord, you, you gave it to us as a gift that we might go and proclaim it and live it out in the city of San Francisco, in our communities and neighborhoods, Lord, that we would be a people marked by grace. God, I pray that you make that a reality in our church, a reality in our hearts, Lord. And we say it is only because of you, Jesus. We love you. Amen.